Welcome to SIGCAST, brought to you by SIG Research Institute, illuminating every path. My name is Kiran Joth Kaur, and I am the Associate Editor at SIC Research Institute. I'm also a graduate student in Humanities from Toronto, Canada, and I'm working on research pertaining to SIC resistance and SIC acceptance. So this podcast series comes at a very charged time in my life, since I'm in the middle of exploring what it means to be both someone who actively resists tyrannical and oppressive systems, but also simultaneously learns to accept hukam with Guru's grace. So it's been interesting to immerse myself in Sikh education paradigms, and this podcast will reflect my personal queries and thoughts surrounding pertinent topics with Sikhs who find themselves in the same boat as me. So thank you for tuning in to our podcast today, where we get to explore hukam or divine will or command, and what it really means to immerse yourself in the journey of acceptance of Guru Sahib's hukam with our notable guest, Inni Kaur. So Inni Kaur is the creative director at the Sikh Research Institute. She is a poet, passionate author, speaker, and artist who has written extensively on the topic of hukam. I've actually come to know know Iniji quite closely in the last few months, and and I think there's no one better to have such a conversation with us today. She's an eloquent speaker who has the ability to not only teach softly, but also move you and inspire you to think for yourself. So welcome, Iniji. Thanks for joining us. Fateh, everyone, and thank you, Kiran, for that very long and warm introduction. There was just way too many adjectives over there, but I'm going to let it go. <laughs> um, so, hukam, right? You, you wanted to, we, we're planning to speak about hukam. I don't know, you said, uh, you know, I've written extensively. I don't know whether I've written extensively, but it's been a journey for me with hukam. And preparing for this podcast, I looked at the word hukam, and I looked at, of course, japji, right? And what? And I looked at it, I said, how am I going to even talk about this? When they're in this one body, the hukam is written in five different ways, with the sihari, with the bihari, with the onkar, with the mukta, you know, it's, I, and I can't go into all that, because that would be too much mm-hmm. for this podcast. But hukam in, in ordinary language means command. Command me and I'll do this. This is our everyday language, which we But this is not that hukam which we are going to be talking about. This is a hukam where we and the individual has accepted the sovereign, has accepted the path. Only then it becomes a hukam. So my big then becomes a command. Otherwise, it is meaningless. If you haven't accepted the path, if you haven't accepted the sahib in the Guru Granth, then how can it be a hukam? Right. Right? Thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it would be uh, to a great benefit to just spend some time unpacking some of the heavy concepts that we associate with hukam. And you've done such a, a lovely job in introducing it. But what exactly 
is hukam? You know, what, how can we try to describe the idea of hukam? Are there some aspects that we need to acquaint ourselves with first? How would you go about doing that? So for me, in simplistic words is, and this has been my journey as well, through understanding hukam and what it means and the acceptance and then the embracing and all that, it's a journey. So I think for me, hukam had to come from, I had to understand what Guru Granth Sahib meant. Right. Until I didn't understand that. Uh, and I, I mean, literally for myself, unpack that and figured out what is this, you know, and what, and this reverence and this Sahib bit. So my journey was the, the Granth is the anthology. It is a book. And people study that book, right? The linguists study it, the museologists study it. You can get history from it. There are multiple ways of people studying the text, and which is fine, right? The many scholars who are not of the faith, but study the text. And for them, it is the Granth. When does it become the Guru? Because the Guru is someone who takes you from darkness to light. It's somebody you say that this person or this entity will take me to a place where I cannot go by myself. And that's a part of a seeker. A seeker does that. A seeker seeks the guru, right? Otherwise, it's just there. Now, this is a much deeper relationship, which is where the seeker is making that effort to connect. So then, for me, it became the the grant became the guru. This is the path I have chosen for me to get to wherever I feel I need to grow, to become vast, to be able to experience something. And then later on, it was, Sahib, yes, I now will do anything and everything for this guru of mine. And when does that happen? Because when you have received so much, excuse me, when you have received so much that you feel or there is a feeling within you that this is it. I I belong to no one else but this entity. And then whatever that entity says becomes the hookup. So th- that's the journey of really the journey of the hukam. <clears throat> Otherwise, if you say it, it doesn't mean anything. So in this, if you look at it in the broader context, that in the cosmic con in 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 Japji, it says that everything creation happened in hukam by the will, by an entity, and it all Japji also tells you. Guru Nanak Sap also tells you. You cannot fathom it. The why part of the hookup, you cannot get there. So Kiran Jodh, I want to ask you, I'm going to make it down personal, right? Right. But why? You have been born, I have been born, right? That's creation has come there. We are created. Why? Can you answer that question? I don't think so, no. (laughs) Right. That's the hookup. It's the acceptance we as beings, as things which we cannot, we do not have answers to, but we accept them. We can fight it. We can accept it with grace. 
we can embrace it. And when we embrace our own life, right? Because in Guru Sab says, this is the most important life. Life is the most important thing you've been graced with. Because here you can do things with it. You can connect to the one. You can connect to the vastness. You can connect to the creator because you are part of that. Now, if you want that connection, then this hukam plays a very large part in that because you want to feel that experience. Now, you can say it is hukam is everywhere. Everything is happening in hukam. Right, yeah. So the question then becomes, okay, if everything is happening in hukam, I don't need to do anything, right? Everything's already happening. So what's my, my role in this whole thing? Well, your role is to be the best. But when we attach ourselves to the fruit, I'm doing this because I'm going, I expect a reward or I expect to, that expectation is where the problem comes. The effort and to do what is the best because you've been graced with this amazing life, it's that, that is what hukum is. It's that graceful acceptance. Sarah, everything is happening around you. Are you looking at it in that light or are you fighting it are you saying that isn't right and that i want to change or that you know i I just remembered a a beautiful story it is a man walking and um it's in you know from a time when we walked from place to place (laughs) wow what an error (laughs) and you know he it's in the afternoon and he he takes rest in a garden and he looks on on the near him there are these watermelons growing and then he's under the shade of a you know of a papaya tree and he thinks to himself he says and he says has a conversation with the almighty and he says you know you know what, God, you're rather simple. Here you have created this wonderful watermelon This there. But look, the vines are very tiny. I mean, it has very tiny vines and it's on the ground, right? And here, this papaya, you've given this tall tree and this beautiful leaf and all for this tiny fruit. Mm-hmm. And he goes to sleep. All of a sudden, there's a thud on his head. The papaya falls. And he says, oh, my gosh, what if the watermelon fell on his head? And in that moment, he realized, no, you know what you are doing. (laughs) So we don't know why, but we want to ask. And then we say, okay, you can fix that. You can do that. But no. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I really, I really appreciate the way that you kind of created this, this understanding that hokum is obviously very impersonal and it's, it's very vast, but there is this personal component as well. It's, it's this internalization of hokum that, you know, once seated within you kind of motivates your actions as well. Um, so I really, I really appreciate the way that you've broken that down. It's, it's really, um, I think it's really important to think of it like that as well. Um, but let's let's bring it back to daily life because when we think about the vastness, and yes, we can kind of like enact, uh, you know, hook them by our actions. But 
how do you implement a really thorough understanding of hukam in, in daily life? You know, what does it mean for our personal personal journeys to take orders from the sovereign, right? To to bow our heads in in surrender to that hukam. How does that look on a daily basis? What does that feel like? So it's a private practice. You know, I mean, my practice is that I listen to the, I receive the hukam. I know this, and I receive the hukam every morning from Tarbarsa. In because for me, that is that is how I connect with the Pant, because that's the Pantic Hukam, right? This goes out to millions across the globe, and I've, I'm just one of them. So I feel very close to the Guru Pant at that point, mm-hmm. that this is going out to everyone. Right? So that's that Pantic, the vastness. Mm-hmm. Now that I bring it to myself, what does this mean to me today? What is that one line or that one word or something which I need to think about? And maybe I can practice it in my life, that in that moment, in that day. And that's how it becomes personal. Then each one of us will do it in a different way. Each line will be different. Each word will be different. And that's why the beauty of it as Guru is, Sahib mera neet nama sada sada datar. My sovereign is ever fresh, right. is eternal. Because when you are receiving that hukam, your state of mind is always different. So what you are listening to, or what you're receiving at that point in time, is actually what you need, right? So that becomes that morning journey where I receive it and that. And then, in the broader context, hukum is such that it becomes a part of your life. It's not just that what I receive in the morning. It is everything that is happening around me, the chaos that is happening around me, is also happening in hukum. My job is how to stay steady in that whatever is revolving because I know what is revolving around me is in hukum. I cannot challenge that. Circumstances are going to happen. They are beyond my control. What is in my control is how I react to it. Hmm. So that is what the key is, to understand and to practice that you have no control over the circumstances which are happening around you. The only thing you have control over is how you react and how you act. That is the key. So that was really beautiful. But I wonder if, as humans, we're willing to immerse ourselves in hukam because we, as fallible beings, sometimes want to have control and relinquishing that control could be quite difficult. So is that the only way that we take orders? Is that once we're on this journey you know, we are trying to come closer to the sahib and to the sovereign. But in that journey, does it become easier to immerse ourselves in hukam? Or, I mean, in your personal experience, maybe you can speak to that. You know, your choice of words is very interesting. Take orders, um, immerse myself, um, give up. You can only follow hukam. You can only embrace hukam when you have surrendered. 
And it's not you that don't, you do not surrender. We cannot surrender. Because as you said, right, and rightly so, as human beings, we are very strong and we don't want to give up anything. Mm-hmm. How dare someone tell us that they have more control? But in this journey, this surrender is a sweet, loving surrender, and it's not that you do it. It happens on its own. When your head bows on its own, and when you want the ground to open up, and you want to be immersed in that ground and let the world walk over you, because this is the only place you want to be, that is surrender. And you don't do it. The force around you, the power around you is so strong, so beautiful that it happens and you will do anything and everything for that to continue. So this idea of you are what you have asked that to give up and to rank, you know, to give up and to take orders, this is not an order. It doesn't, the order word doesn't even come into the picture. For those who have embraced hukam, this is actually such gratitude that in the morning I am receiving something from the one I love and treasure and that I am so blessed that through technology that I can listen to it, I can read it. So there's a different level of gratitude. There are many who do a private practice, right? They take it at home in the morning or they go to their local Gurdwara, and that's all wonderful. And that's the beauty. Each one of us does it in a different way and at what means to us. But there is no, there seems to be when you are asking the question that I don't want to give up anything because I'm not sure what I'm going to get or I don't know what I'm going to get, right? I sense that tension in your questions. This isn't a transactional relationship. Mm -hmm. Love is never transactional. This is a relationship of love. When you bring a transaction in it, you've lost it. So love without expectation, love because that's the way to be. Right? It's like saying, I, Guruza, you know, I mean, I've heard this. If I get this, I'll do that. Right. I'll do this. I'll do that. So that is not love. That is an exchange. Right? An exchange you don't do with your sovereign. You don't have that. Instead, in in this relationship which I'm talking about is that whatever you give me, I accept. I mean, before my thing used to be, okay, I know you're going to give me whatever it is, but can you please just make it a bit softer? Mm-hmm. You know, cushion it a bit. <laughs> and it became, okay, whatever you give, give me also the strength to accept it right. and the grace to accept it. So, you know, so this is my journey. I'm being very honest with you here. And now it is, it doesn't really matter because I have full faith. Whatever you give will be beautiful and it will be good for me. And it's not hard, I mean, it's going to be hard, 
whether it's hard or not, what we take as terms as good or bad, because there's no good or bad, right? It's just is. It's how you look at it. But I know it'll be okay. And I'll be okay because you're with me. I know that. That's that stage of where the negotiation which you begin with, then there's a little bit of acceptance, then there is, okay, there's still negotiation. Okay, give me the strength, give me the grace, give me the this. And then there is, okay, it is what it is. You are you are the sovereign. There's nothing I can do. I am now yours. You know, and that's that whole idea of banda. I've become your banda. I've become your slave. I mean, it's a hard word in today's language to say slave. Yeah. But that's basically it. A slave gives up their rights, right? Right. Serve their master to the best of their abilities and then some. And they die for their master because the master owns them. It's a similar case. You know, you do anything and everything to serve the so- to serve your sovereign because the sovereign has become so dear to you and it's not out of fear. It is out of a love which is rooted, which is deeply rooted in devotion and reverence. I learned about the devotion and love much later and it came to me. I didn't even know there was this element of devotion and love. But it is very much there. Hukam then becomes a beautiful aspect and Hukam actually frees you. It makes you light. I know it's hard to, I know it's hard for you to understand that, that it makes you light. This tension which we have within us, that actually just dissipates. Yeah, I, I appreciate that because when you're describing these stages, I think I'm definitely, you know, at the lower stage where I'm like, okay, this needs to be a little bit more transactional. Like I'll wake up in the morning, but Maharaj, please, you know, give me what I'm asking for. Or, you know, if you are going to give me, if you're not going to give me what I'm asking for, then please um, give me something close to it because, you know, I don't know if I'm ready not to receive, but it's beautiful how you've uh, described this kind of, you know, surrendering because, that is that is a very, very high state of understanding, I'd say, because I wouldn't say that that comes easy, um, especially because as humans, we want to know, we want to be able to pray and receive, right? And receive whatever we're asking for. That's That might be why we're praying. And, I, you know, I rem, I'm reminded of a story well, rather, it's a, a, a gatha that happened at the end of a 40-day Simran. And the gatha vachik was like, I know a lot of you came here for 40 days to get something. And he said, while we applaud that effort, don't forget that Guru Sahib is still Guru Sahib. Whether you get what you asked for or not, there is that level of understanding of hukam that is really important. And it was really, that really touched me as well because, you know, I was one of the people that was like, okay, I came here for something. (laughs) I came here to get something. But when he said that, you know, immediately my head bowed because I, I realized that whatever is meant to happen will happen. And while you are, you think you are, 
you know, in quote unquote, putting in the work, it doesn't matter. It's you are being transformed in the same, in the same breath that you are asking. And at the end of it, I think it became a little less transactional for me. And, you know, I, I moved forward and I realized that it doesn't matter what I'm asking for. And I think now in, at this level in Meyer Das, I don't really ask for anything. I just, I, you know, it's not about worldly um, acquiring. It's about Maharaj, whatever you will, just allow me to accept it and embrace it. Like you said, that word. So that's, that's really interesting, you know, but also acceptance. We've been talking a little bit about how it feels like the actual experience of that in that moment. I think it's very revelatory. It's very transforming to feel that because it's freeing, right? Um, You're no longer asking for anything. You're, you're just being, you're in this state almost of contentment, arguably, so maybe if you could, you know, talk a little bit more about how it feels for you when you're in those moments of complete acceptance of hookam and embracing of hookam. What does it feel like in actual experience? It's actually to be in hookam is to be in that flow. It is not a glimpse. It's not a moment. It is, yes, you have, um, you know, when you receive news which is troubling, Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm going to say yes. It upsets you. It it throws you off a bit, but then you bounce back and say, "Ete hukum, This is in hukum. Right. So it's not that you don't feel it, but the way you react and the way you accept it, it gives you that. It protects you from that pain. And this is what I'm. You know, this is when it is you know, death of a loved one or something tragic happening within the family where, you know, you're in a panic mode. Yes, it's it's a shock for a moment. And then it's like, okay, right, breathe. This is hukam. And then you proceed. Pain is much less. That to me is the grace of the hukam, of, of the flow, where you, you're, you're not disturbed, your consciousness is not in turmoil. That's that beauty of it. That no matter, you know, that you could be in a room with 30 people shouting and you're at the and you're observing. You don't need to be a part of it. You understand this is a play. Mm-hmm. And this too is happening in Hukam. But you don't have to take part in it. That is the that's the freedom. That's the vastness where you're not tied in. You're not in turmoil. Being in hukam, living in hukam, living in hazuri, in the presence, with the presence, is actually when you're turmoil-free. No matter what is happening around you, it's okay. It's not that you're not serving and that you're not working and then you're not doing things. You're doing everything. But your consciousness is not in turmoil. The clarity comes, what is it that you need to do? What is it that you are good at doing? How can you serve? But that tension within you, it takes, it removes that. It, maybe that's a better word for today's language, that, that, that tension within you goes away. 
that duality, that struggle within you, hukam, being in hukam takes away that struggle. That becomes much less. And afterwards, it's not there. Yeah, that's, that's a very fascinating way to put it. It's it's almost like, you know, New Age language is to say to be ever-present, to be grounded in the moment, not to be a part of it, but to kind of be observant of what's happening around you and not to to disturb the flow that is happening within you, but just to, to be. And, you know, this language of, does hukam mean letting go? Well, what are you, what were you holding on to as a human at first? And what does it mean to let go of something? Because hukam is hukam. It is, it, it doesn't matter whether we accept it or not, it's going to be right. So, I mean, I think that in today's world, there is this fear of letting go of that control like we were talking about a bit before and you know what would you say to those people that maybe feel very scared about letting go and allowing hookum to just flow through them and flow through for them to flow through life in surrendering of this hookum and and kind of bowing their head to this hookum what, what can we say to those people that might have anxieties or fears because they don't know, they don't know what's going to happen and they don't know, you know, in today's world, when we do hear of something tragic, when there is a death or if there is, you know, something that we just didn't expect to happen in our lives, we are thrown off. It's not the trajectory we envisioned for ourselves. And then, you know, Maybe someone comes and says, it's okay, this was meant to happen, this was hukam. But, you know, it's very, you know, as the fallible human, it's very difficult to accept, to accept that. So is there something that we can say to lessen that fear, to lessen that anxiety? You know, you ask the question, what can you say to those people? Nothing. Because they haven't even come into the path, right? They have... And we as we humans need to understand that, that we all work at a different pace. We move at a different pace. We come to it. Now, this conversation I would not be able to have had with you when I'm in my 30s. Right? This conversation I would not, because in my 30s, I was going through turmoil. It was a dark night. You know, there was, there was turmoil. There was tension and nowhere to go. So if somebody at that point said it was hookum, like, I'm going to walk away. It doesn't mean anything to me mm-hmm. because I'm in pain. Right. So it's only when people are ready for something else, when every they have exhausted all other means, can, when they begin to look internally and look for a source or look for something that you are not the be end of all. You think you are. You think you're this amazing human being and, you know, you have all these things and you have all these plans. I mean, COVID COVID was a beautiful situation. I mean, as dreadful as it was, everyone's plans got laid away. Mm -hmm. It all stopped for all intents and purposes. Right. All the plans, all the two-year-old plans, budget plan, everything went out the door. That was really moment that you can plan whatever you want to do but you don't know what's going to happen in the next breath. That's an extremely humbling experience. Now, for some, it's a very scary experience because they've lost control. They don't know, right? We are people who want to know, who want to plan. 
you know, at eight o'clock, I want to do this. At 10 o'clock, I want to do this. This is the deadline because we're programmed that way. But this isn't about that. This is about actually being human, being in touch with your emotions and not running by the clock. Yeah, I think that this conversation, I've I've actually you know, grown quite a bit just in trying to figure out where I am and how I understand hookum. You know, for me, when I began this kind of conversation, I thought, okay, hookum to me is surrendering my month, right? My own fallible understanding to the magnitude that is Guru Sahib. But what does that even mean, right? Because I could be saying, I'm, I want to surrender my month. I want to surrender my own understanding. But sometimes those are words as well, right? And in actuality, to actually give up my own expectations is really, it's, it's a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. Like you explained, there's stages. And I'm still in my 20s and I, it is dark. It's very dark. And, you know, um, speaking to you today, I think, you know, I realized that whatever will come to be will come to be. And the sooner that I realize that within my own ego self, then, you know, the more attention I can maybe give to working on my own God consciousness instead of weaving all these messy webs of expectations and throwing, you know, these ultimatums to Guru Sahib, but to, to ground myself and say, no, you know, when I say I want to surrender my mutt, it's a process and there's things involved. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for giving me that wisdom because energy, it is, it feels like dark days sometimes, but when we, when we sit down and we, we slow down to think about these, these words that are used so often in Gurbani and to, to work through them and unpack them, I think that is when we really, really gain, um, understanding and, and I have to say once again, thank you taking the time to to really walk us through that oh you're welcome but you know you you said uh you said something to surrendering your mat your your understanding well what about your body mm-hmm. what about you know what about your consciousness mat is intellect mm-hmm. you're still just at one stage when you surrender, you surrender everything. It's not that I'm surrendering just this. That surrender is complete. Brilliant. And that is you have emptied yourself out because then what you are receiving, what you receive, is far greater than you could have ever imagined and much more beautiful than anything you have ever seen. And that's when you radiate a serenity, an energy. You can only do that because you've received it. It's not something you work towards. You work towards at emptying yourself of, and it's a hard process. I mean, you talk about being 20s and dark. I mean, I've been there. Mm -hmm. And when I looked within, I just found dirt, darkness. And I had to clean myself. It was not easy to go in and and clean and take out things which I was not proud of, Mm -hmm. to come to terms with that. 
And then after, it's easier to tape in a house when you clean a house. It's easier to clean the big things, right? You can, but then when you go into the nooks and crannies, it takes time. And that hurts. It takes effort. But that's where, you know, the first cleansing happens, then the second, and then the third. It's a process. And then you're ever vigilant that let this not happen again. Let me not take in anything else. So then you become very protective of your thoughts. Let that thought not enter. And when that thought enters, you become very hard on yourself. How did this even come? So that's what the journey is about. And this is what that surrender is about. But the first step is actually embracing yourself. You're an incredible human being. You've been, you are a jyot. You are a light. Recognize that light. Honor that light within you. Once you begin doing that, the hookum and and everything else you have said will happen, but not until you don't know yourself and honor yourself. Thank you, Niji. That was quite inspiring. And I definitely have a new understanding of hookum. So thank you. And I'm sure that everyone that tuned in has a way better understanding of hookum than what they started with. So quite, quite valuable um, what you've given us here today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, this will be an exciting year of content at SICRI, and we hope to engage with six who are at various levels of their own journeys, whether that be with Hookem or anything else. And so if there are any particular topics you would like to see discussed, please feel free to reach out and send an email if you have any ideas that you would like to see come to life. Um, and this podcast series is open to discussions that interest particularly you as listeners. So I can be reached at getinjoth.core at sikri.org. And I really, really would love to hear any feedback and any um, topics, like I said, that you would like to hear about. So thank you so much. And Vaiguji ka khalsa, Vaiguji ki fateh. Fateh. You are listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.